everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to talk about what to do whenever we're overwhelmed by the burdens of this life, why bad things still happen to God's children, and how we can rely on Him. Numbers 11, 10 through 15, all scripture is read from the New King James Version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. On the last episode, we read the first nine verses of Numbers 11, where the Israelites were complaining about the manna, and they were remembering all the wonderful food that they used to have in Egypt, and we talked about being influenced by the world and whether the Christian life was boring and restrictive, and also how we should take our complaints to God. So if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it, because that's the first part of this one. Now, this week, we're going to listen in as Moses is expressing the burden that these people are on him. And he just seems completely overwhelmed. Maybe some of you can relate. So let's go ahead and read this prayer. This is Numbers eleven ten through 15. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was greatly aroused, and Moses was also displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I supposed to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden's too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I've found favor in your sight. And don't let me see my wretchedness. Okay, so allow me to paraphrase this. This is Courtney's version of what Moses just said, okay? He's like, God, why are you treating me this way? Don't you love me? I have done everything you asked. Why'd you put such a burden on me? These are not my children. I didn't ask for them. I was perfectly happy taking care of my father-in-law's animals. Traveling with these people is like having a million nursing babies attached and dependent on me constantly. I can't provide for them what they want. They're like toddlers crying and whining to me with no understanding of my limitations. This is too much. I can't carry this weight alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If it's going to be like this every day of this journey, I think I'd rather die. Yeah, if you care about me at all, just kill me. Put me out of my misery. (laughs) right? This is what he's saying. (laughs) Pretty dramatic, right? It sounds pretty dramatic. But be honest. Has there ever been a time in your life that if you were to just completely give in to your feelings, you could hear yourself saying at least parts of that? Maybe you actually have said something similar to that. Or maybe it's not in your nature, but you definitely think it, right? Have you ever just wondered why God would give his children such a hard life? It's like, I'm your kid. Don't you love me? Why do you make everything so hard? Doesn't it seem like the horrible situation should be safe for evil people? Or at the least, just people that don't acknowledge God? 
Have you ever thought, I'm a good person. I follow you. I do what I'm supposed to. If I do good things, then shouldn't I receive good things? Wouldn't that just make sense? It's the whole, why do bad things happen to good people argument, right? That's a big question. A serious philosophical question that's been asked probably since time began. So I'm not going to pretend to have all of the answers, but I do want to read you several verses that talk about this very thing. So the first one is in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what's planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So what God's just saying here is, yeah, life isn't perfect and there are good times and bad times. That's basically just the nature of life here. When we get to heaven, it'll all be good times. But right now, there are just different seasons that we have to go through in our life. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. Some of them are hard and some of them are easy. That's just the nature of this fallen world. I don't know if that makes anybody feel any better, but at least you know, okay, if this is just a season, then that means that eventually I'll get into a better season, right? That at least helps us in some way to know that this too will probably pass, right? Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes seven thirteen to 15. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. I've seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. So King Solomon, who was the wisest man on the face of the earth, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. So the passage that we just read about there being a season for everything, and then also this passage. And what he's saying is, however God wants things to be is basically how they're going to be. He's over everything that's going on. And so he said, you know, again, it's the nature of life. I've watched these things happen. There are good men who die in their righteousness and there are bad men who it seems like they live forever to just do more wickedness. He said, you just have to know these things. You just have to know that difficulty is just a part of life. Now listen to what Jesus tells the people in Matthew seven thirteen to 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So he's saying, actually, the easy way is not always the best way. Sometimes that easy way leads to destruction. Sometimes this specific life that God has for his people is oftentimes difficult. And so he says, you know, you thought that becoming a Christian was going to be easy, but it's not. It's work. You have to do things for the Lord. And sometimes they're hard things. Sometimes the work he gives you is difficult. 
And that's what's happening to Moses right now. God said, yeah, I know it was easy whenever you were just taking care of the sheep, but that isn't what I have for you. I called you for a purpose and being my child means you do this thing and I'm equipping you to do it, but you do have to do it. And it isn't always easy. Being a Christian is just not always easy. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter three seventeen. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So this is mostly saying you're going to have suffering in your life no matter what, right? No matter if you're a good person or a bad person. Being a good person doesn't exempt you from suffering, but it does exempt you from suffering for the things that you've done wrong. And when we're suffering for what we've done right, we have God with us. And we know that we're within his will and we can take comfort in that. But whenever we're suffering for doing wrong, that's just the consequences of our own actions. So he's basically saying exactly what King Solomon said is that it's just a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. You're going to suffer no matter what. So if you're going to suffer no matter what, suffer for being a Christian and doing good things and not for rejecting God and doing what you want and reaping the consequences of that. Couple more verses. First Peter 4, 12 to 19. Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this manner. So again, he says, don't think it's strange that you're suffering as a Christian. That will happen. Instead, just rejoice that you get to be a part of his kingdom. And if this is part of it, then know that you have God with you again, as we talked about earlier. It's much better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for being a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a gossip. At least you don't have any shame in it, right? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, if you're suffering for something that you did, then you also, on top of the suffering, you have to be ashamed for what you've done. If you're suffering just because this is part of life or because you're doing what God's asking you to do and it's just hard, then you at least have a clear conscience, right, in the midst of your suffering. And you know God's with you. Okay, then this is the last verse. This is Galatians 6, 8, and 9. And he says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who don't obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So this just says that if we stick with it, if we keep doing the right thing, we will reap goodness in return, right? Eventually we will. God says, just stick with it. Yes, I know it's hard right now, but I'm calling you to persevere. Again, this life is full of bad things. And he says, if you sow to the flesh, then you're going to reap corruption. That's what's going to happen. If you sow to the spirit, then you know you for sure have eternal life. And if you will just keep doing good and not be discouraged, then 
eventually you'll see some goodness come out of this. So just commit yourself to doing what God asks you to do. Be faithful to him and know that, again, this too will pass. This is just a season. Okay, so we talked a little bit about why God might be treating it this way. You know, does God really love him if he's having to go through these things? And why, if he's doing the things that God asked him to do, why he's having such a difficulty? But let's talk about some of the specific things about how he's talking about them as his children. It's just so funny. You know, if you are a parent, you do have a sense of what this feels like whenever, you know, your kids are so needy, especially, yes, whenever you have nursing babies, it feels like they're constantly attached to you and totally dependent on you like continuous like you can never ever get a break and then to have toddlers that are crying and whining to you and asking you for things that they think you can provide for them because they look to you as you know mom or dad who can just give me whatever I want because that is what we do and then realizing well we can't just give them everything that they want right And so that's what Moses is comparing these people to. He's saying, you know, they're literally with me every second asking me for something. And then whenever they ask me, they seem to think that I can give them things that I can't give them. How in the world am I supposed to give meat to millions of people? That's not even feasible. So I don't know why they're even coming to me. It's like they expect me to be able to perform a miracle, right? And so maybe you felt like this. Maybe you've had other people looking to you for answers or solutions that you just couldn't give. And so maybe at that moment, you're acutely aware of your own limitations. And that's a helpless and hopeless feeling, right? I mean, sometimes our kids do ask us for legitimate things. It would be great if we could give them this, but we can't. I mean, I'm sure Moses would love to be able to feed these people meat. They're not asking for shiny new red sports car, obviously. That wouldn't matter back then anyway. But You know, it makes sense that they would ask for such a thing. This is probably making him really aware of like, I don't have ability to help these people the way that they need help. And so that's a helpless and hopeless feeling. And maybe you've felt that before. Maybe you've had people come to you and want something from you that you want to give them and you just can't. You want to help them. You want to give them what they need. And there's just no way for that to happen. It feels defeating sometimes. So whenever they demand the impossible from you and you become acutely aware of your own limitations, that's when you go to the person that has no limitations, right? The person that can do all things. That's only God. God's the only one that can meet every need or perform impossible things, right? And so that's what Moses is doing. Moses is like, I don't know how I'm supposed to help these people. I can't help these people. There's nothing I can do for them. And he knows that God really is the only one that can. We have to do the same thing. We have to go to God whenever we're in a situation where we're overwhelmed and we feel helpless and hopeless and like we just can't handle it anymore. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen twenty six. Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So very straightforward. There are going to be many things that you want to do that you can't, but there is nothing that God wants to do that he can't. Look to him whenever you need the impossible thing done. Don't be ashamed. Don't be overwhelmed. Um, Easy for me to say, right? I don't know what y'all are going through, but I have to tell myself that. Don't be overwhelmed. Go to God and ask the person who always has been, always will be, knows all things, can do all things, has all the power, all the knowledge, go to him. 
Ask him for help. Then you don't have to feel overwhelmed by the burden that you have in this life. It's not easy, but we can tell ourselves these things and it helps. Reminds us how to live this Christian life in a way that's pleasing to him and in a way that takes the stress off of us, right? Now, what if you, like Moses, have responsibilities that you just didn't ask for? Or a burden that really doesn't seem like it's yours to carry? Somehow it's just fallen on you. It's like for some reason your child or someone that you know can't raise their own children and all of a sudden you're raising your grandkids or someone else's child whenever you weren't ready for that. Maybe you got thrown into a job that you were not ready for having to do your job and 50 other people's jobs because they're not handling it and it feels like too much. Maybe you're in a small church and you have way too many responsibilities. You feel like somebody else should pick up some of these things, but they're just not or there just isn't anyone else around. You feel overwhelmed. I mean, have you ever felt the weight of just a constant, seemingly never-ending, all-consuming responsibility? That's what he's going through. Something that seems like I'm going to be responsible for this for eternity. I know it feels like that whenever you do have little kids. It feels like I logically in my head know that this is going to end. But right now I feel like I can't get a half a second, you know, especially as a mom, I feel like because, you know, you think, (laughs) am I going to get to go to the bathroom by myself ever? Can I shut the door maybe just for half a second without them knowing it and coming to knock? Am I going to get a restful night's sleep like ever? Or maybe just sit down and eat a meal without having to get up 50 times or take care of something. It feels all-consuming. When you have a responsibility like that, where you just feel like you can not get away from the responsibility, it's hard. And that's the situation that Moses was in. Maybe you have something that just burdens your heart to such a, a huge extent. Maybe it's not a physical responsibility, but just a burden on your heart that just consumes all of your time and all your energy. It seems to rule your thoughts and actions, right? It's like every moment I'm just burdened by this. I don't know what to do. I'm upset. I can't quit thinking about it. I can't seem to do anything else because it's all that's on my mind. If you've ever felt something so perpetual or heavy, you know, at that moment, you'd almost do anything to make it stop, right? It's hilarious that Moses would say, you know, if it's going to be like this forever, just kill me. And it's almost like after it comes out of his mouth, he's like, yes, yes, that. Like, I just want to stop. I'm serious about this. Just, I kind of said it flippantly at first, but really, yeah, just kill me. Like, I cannot do this forever, (laughs) right? It sounds dramatic and it obviously is, but sometimes you think, I cannot handle this for another second. If something doesn't change, if this child doesn't get a little more independent, a little more capable, if this teenager doesn't get a little more responsible, where I don't have to worry about them every second or watch them every minute, you know, if this adult child doesn't get his stuff together, soon I'm going to go crazy, right? What if my marriage never gets any better? This need that I feel like is so important just never gets met by my spouse. What if I work really, really hard at this job and do the very best I can to provide for my family and I'm just always barely making ends meet? These are all real, difficult, heavy things that can consume us, that can make us feel overwhelmed, that can make us feel like, God, you know, just make it stop. Whatever has to happen to make it stop. You know, especially say in a marriage, that's when people give up, right? They just say, I can't do it anymore. I just want it to stop. I don't care about anything else. I just need this difficulty that I'm going through in my relationship to stop. And so we just, we give up way before we should because it just feels like too much. 
God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be able to persevere, to rise above that, but we can't do that without him. And so that's why we have to go to him whenever we're overwhelmed. Listen to this verse in Psalm 13, 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? When is this going to stop? How long is it going to be before you do something about this? How long do I have to just counsel myself? You know, keep telling myself it's all going to be all right. How long do I have to cry? Life is hard. It is. I felt it before. Obviously, this psalmist felt it before. Most likely, this is David, King David, who we know God was with. And God did take care of and did help. Listen to what he says in Psalms 22, 1 to 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you don't hear. And in the night season, I'm not silent either. But you are holy. You're enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you, and they were not ashamed. David, at first he's saying, you know, why are you not helping me? I cry out to you every morning and every night, and you do nothing. And then you see a switch, and he's like, "Mm, I know though, you're holy. You are the king, and my fathers trusted you, and you delivered them. They cried out to you, and they were delivered. They were not ashamed for placing their trust in you, They placed their trust in you and you came through. They never regretted it. And so even though you haven't come through for me right now, I know that you can do this. I know that when my fathers cried out to you, you helped them. And so I can trust that you'll do the same for me. That's what we have to do. If we have had experiences where we've cried out to God and he's come to help us, we can rely on those. We can say, Oh, this is so hard. Why is it so hard? When is it going to stop? But then we can think, you know what? There was another time when I felt this way. Another time when I thought I couldn't handle it any longer. And at the moment when I really couldn't handle it any longer, God came to my rescue. And so I know he can do that again. And I'm going to trust him. I'm just going to lean on him for strength and I'm going to trust him. And if we've never had that experience, we can look to other people. That's what this psalmist is doing is looking to, you know, you helped my fathers when they cried out to you. So you'll do the same for me. You have that capability. They never regretted trusting you and I won't either. So I'm going to place my trust in you. So we can do the same thing. We can go to people and we can say, please tell me your experiences with God. Let me hear what it is that God's done for you when you've been in a situation. You know, go talk to people that have been in your same situation. If you're having trouble with your children, if you're having trouble in your marriage, if your job is all-encompassing, if you're having financial trouble, go talk to someone that can understand that and ask them, you know, how did you get through? How did God help you? Tell me your story to give you hope and encouragement. And actually, you don't even have to go to someone that's dealing with the same thing. Your struggle may be in your marriage, but their struggle may be financial. Either way, you both felt the exact same thing. I mean, I don't know what you're going through, but I know that I can relate to all these words. I can relate to how long God 
when are you going to pay attention and do something about this? I can relate to that. And very likely, my reason for feeling that way isn't the same as yours, but we're both relying on the same God. We're both trusting in the same God. We're both seeing that God comes through for his people. And so it doesn't even have to be someone that's going through the exact same thing as you. It just needs to be someone that has had an experience with God that can encourage you and say, hang on just a little bit longer. I felt just like you. I thought I couldn't make it another second. And then God performed this miracle in my life. He did the impossible thing. He took the burden away from me. And then we're encouraged. Then we're able to make it. Then we don't have to ask God to kill us, right? (laughs) Just make it go away. We can make it through. That's what Moses was doing. He could not handle it alone. And that's why he went to God. God can do what we cannot as people. So what about you? Do you go to God in your desperation or do you just try to solve your problems on your own? Do you cry out to God for help or do you just sit down and cry? Do you place your hope in him or do you give up? These are things for us to all think about. God is not overwhelmed by our dependence on him. How Moses was overwhelmed by the people's dependence on him, how we get overwhelmed by other people's dependence on us, by the responsibilities, by the burdens of this world. God doesn't get overwhelmed by those things with us. Quite the opposite. He actually desires for us to depend on him. That's what he wants from his children. He wants us to come to him and let him help us. Listen to what it says in Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Have you ever been in a situation where something really bad's going on and your instinct is to pick the phone up and call somebody and then you realize, oh, they're not available or it's too late to call them or maybe you just realize they probably can't help me anyway? I've been in that situation and it's a comfort to know that God is a very present help. You know, he's available at every moment. We can call on him night or day. He's never far away. He's always there. He's always available. He's the one that we can run to. What's the picture that you get of a refuge? You know, I have this picture in my mind of a place that you can run to for safety. God, I need help. I'm scared. I need protection. Says God is that for us. He's our strength. And so even if he's not going to rescue us out of it at this very moment, he can give us the strength to get through it. We just have to cry out to him. Here's another verse in Psalms. 31 through 5. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So what a comfort, right? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God has favor on us continuously. This too shall pass, right? This too shall pass. John sixteen thirty three. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he says, you will have difficulty in this world, but that's okay because I've overcome the world and I'm able to give you peace within that. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. This is such a perfect verse for this passage. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a relief. All of us who've been working hard and the weight is heavy on us, go to God and he will give you a break. That's all we need sometimes, right? Just give me a little bit of a break. He says, take my yoke on you. My yoke's easy. The burden that I give is light. That's because he's taking our burden and carrying it, the one that's too heavy for us. And he says, here, let me give you a break. Last verse, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the body hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So place yourself under him and let him lift you up. Give him all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your burdens, and let him take care of you. He can lift up your spirit. He can make you feel encouraged and capable. He can lighten the load. So if you feel like Moses, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like life is hard sometimes, don't question why it's hard for you, even though you're a Christian and you're doing the right things. That's part of this life, but that's okay because this life even is not permanent. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we will not live for eternity here, but we will live eternity in heaven if we are his children and there all the burdens will be taken away. So we definitely have that to look forward to no matter what happens on this earth. But there are seasons on this earth. It will get easier. It will get harder. It will get easier again. That's just the nature of things. And so don't question it. Just lean on God. Let him take care of you. Let him strengthen you. Let him take your burdens. That's the lesson today. Next week, we will finish chapter 11 in Numbers. It's taken us three weeks to go through Numbers 11, but I felt like it was too much. I didn't want to rush through it. So next week, we're going to hear God's answer to Moses' prayer. Today, all I did was say, call on him and he'll help you. Next week, we're going to see how God helps. He does. He hears us and he knows we need him and he will come through. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. That's the even better news to the rest of this lesson. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review and comments wherever you're listening. You can also find my email at livethroughjesus.com. Go sign up for the weekly email updates. And follow me on all social media at Live Through Jesus. Thanks and have a good day. Thank you.